First and foremost, we have to be inspired if you're going to inspire anybody else. And when you think about the job of a leader, in contrast to a manager, managers manage resources, make decisions, and that's important. But leaders inspire. Welcome to the Fearless Happiness Podcast, where we showcase phenomenal individuals who have overcome serious traumas, life obstacles, and challenges to find their own path to fearless happiness. Listen as Max Nast invites guests from all around the world to share their experiences and spread strength, hope, and faith. This is the Fearless Happiness Podcast, and this is Max Nast. All right, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in this world. This is Max from the Fearless Happiness Podcast coming to you again with another great episode with another great guest. So, Yossi, what I like to do is have you introduce yourself to my audience, who you are and is what it is you do, and then we're going to rock and roll. Thank you. Thank you, Max. I'm delighted to be here. My name is Yossi Amram. I am a psychologist, a clinical psychologist, a CEO, leadership coach, and an author. And my interest is at the intersection of leadership coaching, personal transformation, and spiritual growth. And uh, my research and my writing have all focused on this topic of spiritual intelligence and how it contributes to our well-being as human beings and our power and effectiveness as leaders that are inspired from which we can inspire others. So that's kind of a quick nightshell summary about me. I love it. I love it. And I'm glad that you brought that up too, because like spirit, I, I think when I work with my clients, right, as a substance abuse counselor, right, if if they don't like to go a certain way, like, you know, I don't want to do the 12 steps, I don't want to do this. I said, okay, well, let's work on mind, body, and I always include spirit, right, whatever that looks like to them. So let's, let's dive in. So Yossi, like, tell me or tell the audience, like some of the challenges in, you know, growing up and stuff that led you to become the psychologist and a leadership coach and a CEO coach, right? And and then in the spirit realm, what like what what drew you to that? Okay. Well, that's my whole life story. But I, I was born and raised in Israel and like all men there, uh, I got drafted into the military <clears throat> and I had to serve three years. I served three years in the Air Force and uh I had the fastest promotion record in the history of my regiment. I got all these leadership awards. So while I excelled at it, still something about it chafed at my soul. I mean, the military has a very command and control model, which is required when you are in battle. And there's no time for consensus and team building and whatever. You got to go and you move. And so it's an effective model, but it's effective for the military, but doesn't bring out the best in people if you're running a business or you're trying to facilitate creativity and human growth and human potential. So that became my interest. Like, how can we build organizations and cultures that bring out the best in people that are more humane? So from there, I set out to someday do that. And that led me to become an entrepreneur. I came to the U.S., went to the top schools, MIT, engineering, Harvard Business School, etc., And my dream was to start a company, a startup, a Silicon Valley startup, and then take it public and try out my methods and make a gazillion dollars, et cetera. (laughs) I was 
I was blessed enough that that all came true. I did start a company. I took it public. I tried out my methods of, of leadership that the company was called individual. It was focused on providing the first personalized interactive newspapers before the internet, first on fax machine, but the name individual also reflected an organizational philosophy and culture that supported the growth of each individual in a team context. But anyway, to make a long story short, the company went public, it was successful, etc. My dream came true, but somehow something inside of me felt hollow, it became not so much meaningful. And I experienced what's called a spiritual emergency coming out of a dark night of the soul, which threw me into an awakening experience where I experience our oneness. Normally, we think you and I are separate, you know, there's right. you, there's me, and there's the, the table, and there's this and the tree. We're all separate objects in this time-space continuum. But the way I experienced that awakening was that we're all interconnected, and we're all part of this broader... Uh, oneness. And that also came into became a manic episode. So it was very traumatic. It was a spiritual awakening combined with a manic episode. And you can only imagine what it's like to be the CEO of a public company going through a manic episode. It was very difficult. So that led to me getting pushed out of the company and put on a leave of absence and so on. There's a lot of drama. Our stock price got cut in half when that was announced. It was nice for my ego, but not for my pocketbook. But, you know, over time, I tried to understand what the heck was this? Was this real? Was this a delusion? What led to this personal crisis, this dark night of the soul, and sense of meaningless and emptiness, having attained a lot of what I was looking for? And uh, what were the psychological elements? What were the spiritual elements? So that change ultimately changed the direction of my life. And as I tried to understand all of that, I went back to school and got a PhD in psychology. And then I heard of this term called spiritual intelligence. And I knew a lot about emotional intelligence and all the research that has been done to show that emotional intelligence really contributes to leadership and well-being and so on. And I thought, oh, this would be a very parallel, interesting thing, spiritual intelligence. But there was no research to say what exactly it is and how to measure it. So that's the path I set myself on, is to define it and to measure it scientifically and then do studies to show that leaders that have higher spiritual intelligence lead teams that have more commitment, higher morale, and lower turnover. And then since then, others' research have shown that leaders with higher spiritual intelligence actually produce higher profitability for their business unit. So that's kind of been my trajectory from military command and control leadership to humane inspired leadership to a personal crisis and a transformation that changed the direction of my life that understands that really our power as leaders to inspire others have to come from being inspired ourselves. Right. First and foremost, we have to be inspired if you're going to inspire anybody else. And when you think about the job of a leader, in contrast to a manager, managers manage resources, make decisions, and that's important. But leaders right. inspire. And the root word of inspire is spirit, the breath, the life animating force. 
that's what so as a leader you breathe life into your organization you animate it with your vision with a sense of purpose with a sense of community that people are coming together and aligned and that has to start with you know being inspired internally so anyway that in a nutshell is kind of what what the thesis and and of my work is about to help leaders get empowered and inspired feeling their interconnectedness so they're fired up by a vision and a sense of purpose that calls them and then it ignites a resonant flame in others around them that are drawn to that vision and then you have a group of people that are aligned across a common mission and vision and values right. and that gives them a sense of community which is so important in a world where now there's a loneliness epidemic and people are looking for meaning and connection and uh, work is their primary community right and you bring up a good point right because the world today like i don't watch the news anymore because it gets so depressing right uh -huh. and, and and but it's the facts there's people out there that want to do what they want to do and there's people over here that want to do what they want to do they're right i'm right you know what i mean it's polarized yeah and there are wars and there's crises uh, galore you know environmentally uh, economically i mean yeah right see and this is why i'm i'm so happy that you decided to become and become come here and become a guest um because that spiritual intelligence right like you i've heard of emotional intelligence right which i'm still working on but something has always right spiritually pulled me like I believe there's a God, right? I believe, and like you, that's funny that you said that because I believe that we're all connected in some form or fashion, right? Uh -huh. And right, because I, I know, you know, my work, I'm a helper, right? I help, I try to help others overcome something very serious like addiction. And hopefully, like you say, like you said, right, you had that spiritual awakening, right? Uh -huh. And, um, but I want to go back a little bit. So when you had this manic episode, right? you just you launched your company you're getting it going and and this happens to you like and it's well, public already it's not like i just launched it i mean you know i have hundreds right. of employees i've raised 100 over 100 million dollars the company's public you know i have so yeah and then this thing happens sure yeah right so what was the challenge right your company's up and running now you're you're i'm sure at the time in your head you're going things are going smooth I'm making money, right? Like my dreams coming true, my purpose is coming true. What was that challenge like to go, okay, what's going on here with me? Like I'm having this manic episode, but what, like, how did you differ? Well, I didn't think, that? I didn't think I was having a manic episode, only right. in hindsight. I was having all these insights. My mind was like running on steroids. I was getting all these mm -hmm. downloads about, where the future was going in terms of the internet and everything I was envisioning ultimately came true and companies like Facebook and Google built on the same ideas or Pinterest that I was having and I wanted us to do it but I was became so so focused and and up in the sky so to speak in this vision of the future but I wasn't grounded so you know my team just couldn't execute on all my ideas because it was so clear to me i was getting these downloads about the future <laughs> right. but i wasn't grounded in the reality of what could be done today and in what pace so 
you know, in hindsight, I look at it and say, yeah, my ideas were brilliant, but I really didn't connect with my team and with my board in a way that now I'm saying that's part of spiritual intelligence. It's not because I am the powerful visionary leader. This is where we're going. Follow me, regardless of what right. it is. That's one model of leadership. But, you know, that's leading from the front. You run ahead and you hope that people can keep up with you. But I was so far ahead, nobody could keep up with me. Good leaders can then fall back and do leading from behind, which is to build consensus, bring people along, empower them, and so on. So, uh, but at the time, I thought I was on top of the world. <laughs> right. And but it, it, it was a hard fall because when I, when they pushed me out of the company, and there were stories circulating around in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times about how I was emotionally unstable. I mean, it was all of a sudden people that that looked up to me and I was like this hero CEO wouldn't return my calls. And, and I was shunned from this community. There was a lot of shame that came up for me because you know, having having stories in these top papers about how Yossi lost it, so to speak, was very embarrassing, very, you know, and it took me a while to dig out of that hole of shame and, and getting outcast from this community that I was a, a hero in. Right. And see, and that's what I kind of want you to touch on a little bit, right? Because I want my audience to know that you can hit those bottoms, right? Where sometimes you can't help it it just it's what happens but how did you finally start to dig yourself out of that right because like when you're up here and then you you hit that rock bottom it almost seems impossible to climb back up right but yeah you did was, it and, I, and I, how did I, you I was, do that well yeah i mean from the bottom it looks hopeless i got depressed you might say uh, how did I do it? I sought help. I, I went into therapy. I did a lot of reflection, uh, and, but it took it took a while. You know, it took it wasn't a day or two or three. It was you know more months and years of of therapy and and counseling and reflection and and slowly rebuilding and rebuilding the confidence and and luckily there are a few people that still believed in me and that were supporting me and in through it that kind of uh you know gave me another chance so it was it was really uh yeah it was hard but it, it is important to know you know, some of the world's greatest people, uh, Martin Luther King, you know, attempted suicide as a teenager, Gandhi. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are people that have risen to the greatest levels of greatness and courage and taking right. on challenges that, you know, far beyond what I'm talking about. But, you know, they had their dark moments. They had their dark moments, but they they came out of it. So it's important for us to maintain that faith that something some something is gonna work and it is um you know faith in ourselves faith in the universe faith in god if you want to call it whatever it is but just right. that trust some basic trust uh that that things will be okay and the fact is we 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 got here 
right now through whatever disasters you and I have lived through. And right. We all have had traumas. We all have had our dark moments, but we got to this moment. In this moment, we look around, we're okay. I've got food. I'm in a house, fortunately, you know, shelter. I'm eating. Mm. I'm, I'm whatever. Thank God. You know, so somehow I, I survived those crises. I can survive this next one too. Absolutely. Right. And that's why it was so important for me to have you come on and be a guest, right? Because we all have our challenges we've been through, our struggles, our traumas, right? And and if you could see his face, everybody, he's got this biggest smile that's just lighting up the room right now, right? And that's why I love the guests that I get, that I think God brings me, right? To show off and, well, because we know one, entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart, right? Because we know there's a, that's a constant peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys, right? And then yeah. you throw in life stuff like you went through, right? Where we get knocked down to our knees. And, and like you said, it looks so far up when we're looking, you know, from that point of view, but you said it, right? You, you kept that faith and I'm a big believer myself, right? Like I'm, I'm just like you, right? I know that this, this interview is happening for a reason because God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, wants us to show people that you can bounce back better than before if you don't give up, right? And don't give up the faith that something better is going to happen. Yes. Do we got to walk through the mud sometimes? Absolutely. Sometimes we got to crawl, right? And, uh, but if we keep putting one foot in front of the other, great things happen, you know, happen, right? Whatever our paths are. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, but tell them, so you, you get kicked out of your company, right? They take your company away. Um, you start working on yourself. When did you, when was it, was it like, um, like a bright idea or something that came to you or like, I'm going to study this, I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to learn about this. I want to teach spiritual intelligence, like, and then talk about your books a little bit too. So yeah, my yeah, audience. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So it wasn't, you know, I mean, it wasn't a straight, smooth process. First of all, when I got pushed out of the company and all of that, I, I did, I went into therapy, as I mentioned, try to understand. But, you know, my ego was bruised, just to be honest here, because, uh, and I wanted to prove myself. So then I went and did another company and I was a CEO again. I wanted to show that I can do it. And, you know, luckily the next time around, I, I had better habits and surrounded myself with more support. I learned how to delegate and empower more and, and keep my ego in check. So fortunately, I, I was able to take that second company public and that as well. And that just kind of gave me some sense of validation. But, you know, as I was going through it, it became more less interesting. At the same time, I started to be a coach to other entrepreneurs. I, I made enough money, I became an angel investor. So I was often the founding investor of new startups and, and go on the board and, and coach the entrepreneurs, both as an investor and as a mentor. And then I found that a lot more fulfilling than running my own business. I found that giving back and the generativity and, and coaching and mentoring was really very, very fulfilling to the heart. It's like when you help other people and you see them grow and transform and benefit, it's it's very fulfilling. And mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I found that very fulfilling. And I also saw that 
in many cases I can give him the best advice, but there were psychological blocks that prevented them or their ego would prevent them from implementing it. So I needed better tools, not just to give them the right advice, but how to work with them on the inner transformation. And that's when I decided to go back and, and get a PhD and become a psychologist, both because I wanted to dig in to understand myself deeper, right, and also give me the tool to work with people in a deeper way so I can help them to uncover their blocks and what's limiting their potential. So that's when I got into spiritual intelligence and all of that. So now what I do is I work as a CEO coach and a counselor and uh, with, with entrepreneurs and with CEOs. And I've been blessed. I've worked now with over 100 CEOs. And a number of them have built companies with revenues in the billions of dollars, with thousands of employees. Three of them have become billionaires. So I've I've seen that you know working with them on their spiritual intelligence makes them more empowered, more confident, more visionary, uh, and they become magnets to to drawing in. Their light just shines through, and then people are drawn to them. They become more inspiring and. Uh, powerful leaders. So my book is basically, you know, taking all the case studies that I have from my client base and the struggles they have felt and what techniques and these qualities of spiritual intelligence of purpose and vision and service and, uh, you know, trust and intuition and higher self and right. community building and presence and all these things. And so the, the book is structured with each of these spiritual intelligence qualities, presenting a case study for my client that lack that quality. And then what techniques and what happened in our sessions that helped them tap into that quality and embody it. And then how that helped them face real life situations where they're, you know, running out of cash, having to do layoffs, you know, yeah. their backs against the wall and raising money and but how they survived it and how they developed as human beings to become more powerful leaders and more fulfilled. So not only did they develop more mindfulness and presence at work, that translated in how they showed up in their family dinner and being present with your children as opposed to just on your phone because you're still thinking at work. And then when you're at work, you're talking to one of your employees and you're thinking about your next meeting. So, you know, yeah. the, the gift we can give people is present. Like if I'm talking to you right now and I'm thinking about my my next thing or what I'm gonna do tomorrow, I'm, I'm not gonna connect with you. I'm not gonna be effective. So these things that are spiritual intelligence you know, pay off in our work and in our personal life. And, you know, I see them being transformed and, and the impact on their happiness is just tremendous and their fulfillment. So that's very rewarding. And that's what this book is trying to give people a sense of how to develop and cultivate these qualities. It's not, so spiritual intelligence is not just cognitive. It's not just you read it and you say, yeah, I need to have a sense of purpose. Well, okay, you understand that, but how do you find that sense of purpose? How do you cultivate presence? How do you cultivate intuition? And how do you cultivate your higher self and learn how to listen to the downloads that are are there? So the book is 
is both the the theoretical framework, but it has the practical case studies and the exercises that people can use for each of them. So each chapter, each quality, there's several exercises that people can do on their own. Because if, if you just read it and you say, oh, yeah, that's a good idea, that's not going to make your emotion, uh, spiritual intelligence. Like you can say, yeah, emotional intelligence, You you like you said. You understand the importance of spiritual uh, emotional intelligence, but you're still working on it. You have to practice becoming aware of your emotions and right. and how to regulate them. So it's not a cognitive understanding of emotional intelligence. That's the whole point of emotional intelligence, not cognitive intelligence, not intellectual. Right. Well, so this like spiritual intelligence. It's not understanding the theory of spiritual intelligence. It's practicing it and embodying it in your daily life right Be and i like that point you bring up because right if i read your book right and then i put it down but i don't use what you know and apply what i have learned right because what i've been taught by great guests like yourselves is like max i can teach you this but if you don't apply it it's not going to stick right mm -hmm. it it's going to go in here and then out the other ear once i'm done putting the book down right um so what is the name of it? You, you don't play tennis or golf by, you know, one session. You got to take that swing again and again and again, and you practice it. And you need a coach and you need, you know, you watch whatever videos you, you go into the, the driving range and you, you serve and you, it's a practice. Absolutely. And that's, I'm great. Uh, I'm glad that you brought up that point because like the the greats, like saying golf, like Jack Nicholas, uh, Tiger Woods, when they would finish, right. They didn't go to the clubhouse and to the bar, right. They went to the driving range and hit some more balls to figure out where they can improve. Like at and least they I watch videos of their shot and analyze it to understand yeah. what was right about it and what could be improved. So you're and constantly reflecting on your performance and to learn from it, the the greatest football teams, you know, they'll watch, they'll watch the the rerun of the game, and they'll just see what the other team did and what they did and where they were supposed to run, and you know, that's how they wow. learn from the game. Absolutely, I remember those game, uh, the you know, the the Saturday game day films when coach would rewind where you messed up over and over again, and then go, this is what you should have done, right? Yeah. Um, but that's with anything, right? Like if you want to get better, it's repetition. The more you do it, the better you get, right? It's it's like I'm now into these, right? I can't lift really heavy, so I do a lot of kettlebell workouts, right? But some of them, I have to really watch and like try to do it like they do it, right? But I got to remember, they've been practicing a while, Max. Don't beat yourself up. Just keep at it. And that's yeah. like with anything, correct? Yeah, absolutely. In practice, in practice, what we become, I mean, you know, the word practice, we think, oh, we're practicing for some future performance. But when you think about it, you say that your doctor has a family practice or this practice, that means this is what they are. So the, the word practice, right. we normally associate <laughs> what, like something you do for some future thing. But no, if I'm practicing medicine or I'm practicing law, that means I'm a lawyer. I, I, I practice law day in and day out. That's what I do. So our practice is what we become. You know, it's who we are, is, is our practice. It's not like some future life that, that you're practicing for. You're practicing what you, you are. Absolutely. You 
right? Like I'm starting my private recovery coaching slash substance abuse counseling, you know, coaching business. And I don't practice because I want to be good one day, right? I practice because you said it, that's who I am, right? When my clients come to me, if I'm not keeping up on the things I need to, you know, be able to teach them and right apply, because I don't know about you, but I think it's, you know, I'm a grandfather, right? I'm a father, I'm a husband. And I always want to practice being the best that I can be every day, right? Because I know I've got eyes on me constantly, right? Yes. Yes. Am I going to make mistakes? Of course. But I want my grandchildren and children to see when I make that mistake, how I pick myself up and go, okay, what did I learn from that? And how can I do something better? How can I be better the next time, right? And um, right, so that's why I'm so... You know, I was so excited to have you come on the show because we were going to get it, everybody. You heard it from, you know, Yossi's mouth, the psychologist's mouth who studied this, who who trains CEOs and teaches them how to become better leaders, right? Because we're I my belief is, Yossi, is that we're all leaders in some form or fashion, right? Yeah, we're leaders in our family, in our community, whether right. you're in a CEO or not. We're all influencing each other. What is being a leader is like basically influencing the people around you and energizing them and motivating them to rise up to their higher potential. And it sounds to me like what you practice is trying to help people, you know, find their their goodness, find their their strengths. And that's beautiful. That's a beautiful practice is like helping others, empowering them, you know, helping them heal. That's your practice, what I'm hearing. And it's coming from a place of desire to help others. Absolutely. 100%. Just like you, right? Like, um, and I have this question I want to ask you, right? But I'm trying to form it right because I want the audience to understand where I'm coming from and where you're coming from, right? So with this, like, how long, like, let me put it this way. As you started coaching and teaching this leadership stuff, what were some of the challenges that went along with that? And you know what I mean? Because I know a lot of people, I, I I shouldn't say I know a lot, I've known people who start something, right? And then they get hit with that first challenge and they say, I'm out, I can't handle it, right? All of us go through that. I want to hear from your point of view, like what kept you going, right? Because you basically went from now you're from a CEO to now you're the coach of CEOs. Like mm-hmm. how was that transition for you and how do you keep them going in your in your practice? Well, I mean, part, a key part of it is the, this idea of the archetype of the wounded healer. You know, the reason I'm motivated to help them is because I've been in their shoes and I have suffered, you know, the loneliness, the isolation, the pressure, the, the you know, the relentless work hours and the price we pay in our families and our health all of which is what led to, you know, some of my crises. So what motivates me is 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 the desire to help someone that I can empathize with. And because I can empathize with them and I've been in their shoes, you know, it gives me a lot more credibility and it motivates me. And then they could feel it. Like this guy has been in my shoes. So the advice he's giving me is coming from a genuine place that's informed. And I don't know what's motivating you to help people in recovery, but I assume there's some personal story behind that that makes you say, 
you know, this is important. I know what these people are going through and it's painful and I want to help these people. And that becomes your calling. You know, you're called to do it. It's, it's your passion. You understand it in your bones why right. that's important. And, you know, that's, that's, that's when our gifts line up with what needs to happen in the world in, in service of, of the greater good. And that's when we're fulfilled, when our gifts, you know, life gives us gifts. And why is it giving us these gifts? Because it wants us to, to use them to good use. So, you know, the gifts we get are really an invitation to apply them to help others to, to, and, uh, so when, so in some sense, the woundings that I had, the challenges that I had became part of my gifts because I understand other people that are going through that. Absolutely. You and couldn't you, have said it any, any better. Huh? Yeah. You couldn't have said it any better. You're absolutely correct. That's, I'm in recovery. I've been sober for over 20 years now. Yeah. Right. And even though when I first got sober, right, I, I watched this guy that was coming back from school. He was becoming a counselor himself. <laughs> and I was like 30 days sober after my last relapse. Right. And my, I told my sponsor, I go, I'm going to be a counselor. And he goes, no, you're not. I'll tell you when, <laughs> but I'm glad he, he made me take a step back. Right. Because it's true. Like it doesn't matter. When I can tell a client before he even says anything or she, uh, how they feel, what they were going through and how they feel inside, you see their eyes like you're, like you said, this guy knows what I'm going through. Cause he, and I go, yeah, I've been through it. You know, just because I always say, just cause I have a few more days doesn't mean that I forgot what it was like back when I got sober. And, and I think that's been my gift is to be able, no matter how much time I have, to be able to relate to the new guy or the new lady who is struggling because they go, this guy knows what I'm going through. Like, right? Yeah. It's not just schooling stuff he's telling me. This guy's been through the school uh, school of hard knocks. He knows, right? And I think that's a great gift that you and I have is to be able to connect with our, our clients like that so they understand, like, Yossi knows what I'm going through. So I'm going to, I'm going to listen to what he has to tell me because, right. Cause you know, they can spot, if you don't know, they, if you don't have it, they know, like they can spot it. This guy doesn't know what I'm talking about. Max doesn't know what he's talking about. But when you do, you, you could see the eyes open and they start to listen and they go, okay, maybe there's, he's, tr he's really trying to help me heal now. So I'm going to pay attention. And that for me has been one of the greatest feelings ever, right? It's not the money. It's it's not the fame or fortune, as they say, but it's watching the lights come back on in someone's eyes and they get and they stay sober. And I get that call a year or two later. Hey, Max, I'm still sober. Thank you so much. Right. That's what it's all about for me. And I'm sure that's what it's about for you now, too. Right. Watching CEOs become very successful and come back and tell you, Yossi, because of you, my company's doing great. Thank you so much. Isn't that an awesome feeling? Yeah, it's 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 totally awesome. Not and not only are they being transformed and empowered and successful, but as the CEO heals and moves to a higher vibration and a greater sense of purpose, it's translating into the whole organization and their team and the culture. And now the employees carry 
a greater sense of fulfillment and satisfaction from their work. So it's a big ripple effect. I'm helping the CEO, but then I get to feel the impact that they're having through the team. And that is very rewarding. And it's very touching. And like when I was watching you talk about the fulfillment you have when you with your clients, you were lighting up, your eyes were sparkling, your, you know, like, your eyes were getting moist. It's like, it's touching. It's touching to when we feel into this connection with another human being that we're helping and we see the impact. And that gives meaning to our lives and, mm. and helps them. That's like the, the best feeling that we have. Absolutely. Like feeling of connection and, and contribution and, and generosity and and that you know, I, I hate to to sound, but we're emanating love. We're, we're we're embodying love, and they could feel it. You don't. Love is not just romantic. You know, whatever. Right. You have a client, and they feel your care. They feel your heart is in it. You care about them, and so yeah, you've been there. Your expertise, but they feel your care. And yeah. when someone feels your care, they don't care what you say or what you what you know until they know that you care absolutely absolutely when they feel your care your compassion your love whatever word you want to say it touches them and that gives them hope this guy really cares about me personally who i am as an individual and then people are like okay i matter i'm important i'm not just some drunken piece of shit excuse my my you know because yeah, a lot okay. of people carry shame and and like question and when we find someone else that cares about us and takes our well-being to heart and and we're touched i mean we're we start to blossom you know right and for me and i'm sure that is for you too when i we do that i i think that's when i know i'm living in purpose on purpose right when I know I've connected with that person who just says, this guy cares, right? He's not here for the dollars or the money. He actually wants to see me do better, right? And that's, you know, unfortunately, you know, in the addiction field, right? It, it, it's the success rate is not that great, right? Because we got this fentanyl um, crisis going on, right? And any other drugs and alcohol, right? And And they're so beaten up. You know, my job is to just let them know, like you said, look, I'm here with you while you're here every step of the way. I got your back, right? I want to let them know I got your six, you know, just give me some effort so we can help you get to where you want to go, right? And you're right, because then you could see it in their eyes. Like they just go, well, he understands me and he wants to help me. He just does, you know, but unfortunately I've had... You know, you get these youngsters that come in, right, and go, oh, you just want our money. And uh, are they're so preoccupied with feeling a little bit better so they can go back out there and do what they do, right? So, you know, we got to take the good with the bad, but I'm always the same person to whoever I'm sitting with, you know, and I just, for me, it's it's huge. And I think that's, you know, I'm starting to understand the spiritual intelligence, right? And maybe I know more than I think I know, but that's how I, I've i lasted in this for almost 15 years, right? And there's a lot of, it's it's got a high burnout rate. And, but I don't see me quitting anytime soon. I'm going to be 56 this year and I'm going to keep going until, you know, the good Lord says, Max, it's time for you to retire or whatever. 
Um, But see, but this has led to having these great conversations with gentlemen like you, right? And talking about your book. So um, I have a couple of questions I like to ask, right? And then we'll we'll kind of circle back. But I wrote a book, as you can tell, you can see it called Fearless (laughs) Happiness, right? It was my uh, journey from addiction into recovery. So I always like to ask my guests this. What does fearless mean to you, Yossi? And how does that show up in your life on a daily basis? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good question. Uh, actually, uh, <laughs> what does fearless mean to me? I'm going to reframe it slightly. If you, you know, to me, fearless actually means courage because I don't think, I, I, I don't think that, you know, as human beings, fear is, is a natural response. I walk in the street and with my son, I'm holding hands, whatever, and a big truck, they're running into the street. Uh, fear comes up and it's healthy and I pull them out and that's great. So that's a healthy kind of fear. Sometimes there's fear, you know, I'm in the subway station, someone falls in the track, the train is coming, shit, I'm scared they're going to get hit. I'm I'm scared, but I need to jump in and save them. And I'm scared for my life. Will I be able to do it before the train comes? But I do it anyway, because there's courage. So, you know, what's more important is, you know, to have courage that uh, will be okay. And we can move forward in in despite the fear. So um, anyway, that's to me, you know, the the really what we're getting at is, is knowing how to relate to the fear and and have courage despite the fear. And fear is we don't need to be in denial of fear. Right. And I love that, right? Because I have a very close friend of mine that said that to me. He goes, "We are we really going to be fearless? He goes, probably not. He goes, but we would. And what he said was kind of spot on what you said. He says, but when we get the courage to do what we need to do anyway, we fear less. Yeah. We won't become fearless, but we fear less and we do the work anyway, you know? And I, I, exactly. I love it. That's great. I love it. I love All it. All right. My second question for you is happiness. Excuse me. Um as you could see, I put a Y in it, right? Uh-huh. So knowing I put the Y in there, Yossi, what does happiness mean for you? And how does that show up in your life on a daily basis? Well, happiness to me is like what we've been talking about, which is when the gifts that I have been given, you know, can be used and applied in service of something that's important and of value in the world. Then I, I live purpose, I live with meaning, I live with connection, and I live my potential and, and make the best use of the gifts that life or, you know, you could say the good Lord has given me. Right. And uh, and then I'm in gratitude, like that I've gotten these gifts and that I can apply them and other people appreciate them. And to me, that's fulfillment, that's happiness, you know, that's human connection. Um with with whoever I'm giving it to, my family, my children, my, you know, and I'm a, I'm a balanced whole human being. That would be the other thing where I'm applying all of me, you know, not just my analytical mind, it's my heart, it's my, uh, all my, my, uh, my gifts as a human being. I love that. I love that. That's, that's, that's a great answer. I love it, Yossi. I mean, thank you. Like, thank you. It's been delightful to talk to you. I know for the last, you know, however long we've been talking. Oh, we're not done yet. I got a couple more things I, I, I like to bring up. So 
if you would tell my audience, what is the name of your book and where can they get it? And then yep. if they want to work with you or reach out to you, how do they get a hold of you? Okay, thank you, thank you. So my book, thank you for asking that, uh, is called Spiritually Intelligent Leadership, How to Inspire by Being Inspired. And they can uh, get it on Amazon and all the major retailers like Barnes & Noble, etc. They can get information about it, they read reviews by, by others about it, you know, etc., uh, and they can go to my website, uh, which is how they can also get a video of me talking about it a little more and and uh, con contact me via email. My website is Yossi, Y-O-S-I, Amram, A-M-R-A-M, both M's like Mary, dot net. So just my name, Yossi, Amram, dot net. And, you know. From there, there's my email and people can contact me and find out more about my coaching work, my therapy work. My I offer these free webinars for awakening spiritual intelligence. There's the first one coming up uh, February 16th, the week of Thanksgiving, uh, the week of uh, Valentine's Day on Friday. And it'll be two hours uh, on the quality of love. And there'll be just... Uh, a free event for people who want to develop more love in their lives. And so, uh, yeah, they can register for free. And I love it, Yossi. As my friend would call you, you're a definitely a go-giver and love to help. I can see that you just love to help people. And uh, so you heard that audience. You can get his book at Barnes & Noble. Can you? Did you say Amazon? Yeah, um, Amazon for sure. All, all that. And remember, Yossi, Y-O-S-I, a m r a m dot net correct yeah. if you need to get a hold of him or want to look into his coaching any of that stuff and he said he has some free webinars coming up on the 16th of february but you're not quite off the heck just yet yossi i get to ask one last question real quick i ask this of all my guests so what is it the one piece of advice that you could give my audience to help them grow as a human being and become a better person? The one piece of advice? Well, first of all, life is a journey, you know? Uh, so wherever you are, it's a journey. And take, take the first steps, as they say, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. So whatever that one step is, it's whether it's buying a book, about something you want that will open the door or you contact a counselor or an addiction recovery person or center, take the first step and understand that it's a journey. That would be my first piece of advice. My second piece of advice is there's one thing in the universe which is self-renewing and and that is the quality of love. I mean, you know, if you have $100 in your pocket, you give someone a dollar, you have 99 left, you have one less. You know, if you have two bottles of milk in your fridge, you give somebody one, you have one left. So uh, everything is is limited. But if you have a certain amount of love in your heart and you share that love, you don't have less love left in your heart. Your heart capacity has more. So the more you, you give and you share love, the more love you, it comes back to you either directly or indirectly and through your heart's capacity. So... Just just share your love that's in there in your heart and you'll you'll find more and more love 
springing forth with from it it's a it's an infinite renewable source love it i love it couldn't have said it better myself you hear that everybody well thank you so much yossi for coming and spending this time with me and my audience and sharing your wisdom with my uh with myself and my audience and you heard it folks remember if yossi made you smile if he made you think if yossi taught you something or my famous if yossi made you go hmm please go to itunes and leave a five-star review so more people can find the podcast but until then good morning good evening good afternoon wherever you are in this world until next time are you tired of being weighed down by life's traumas and struggles join the fearless happiness lifestyle and let us guide you toward a brighter future explore past podcast episodes and get a copy of the fearless happiness book to ignite your inner strength if you or someone you love is battling addiction or facing challenges related to unresolved trauma know that we are here for you visit maxnates.org m-a-x n-i-j-s-t dot o-r-g and take the first steps toward finding your fearless happiness thank you for listening this has been a production of fearless happiness <laughs>